Yeah, you can make fun of me all you want, but I am rocking out. And there's a reason why I'm rocking out. But before all that, you hear the music and you see my face. But wait a second. Where's Dan Nathan? Well, we got a special episode of 1046, and I'll tell you why. I'm here today with the incomparable stud, legend, top of the Parthenon, the whole thing. Chief technician from Cornerstone Macro, Carter Braxtonworth. Today's episode of 1046 is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, FactSet financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow and of course our friends of open exchange they manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world we got a macro call couple single stock calls chart of the week one for the road and we got carter worth how are you my man how are you how are you my man and thank you for having me and uh, i am all you can tell i'm all geeked up carter you know well, I mean, I on we've known hand, each other now go ahead i'm sitting here i'm sitting here working hard i'm in the office plugging away but let's uh Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, look, it's obviously the macro call is the market. It's been an extraordinarily volatile week for markets. We saw what happened on Monday. We see what's happening today. I mean, it's pretty fascinating that these sell-offs in the market now are fewer and fewer in terms of the amount we have, and the duration seems to be less and less. I mean, this was effectively a one-day event. We have all these strategists calling for a correction. Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, BTIG, Fundstrat. We're going to take a look at a chart, but what are you seeing, CB dubs? Right. So, I mean, what we do know, and if you get to the etymology of, of the word correction, you know, and forget whether you call it dip or sell off or drawdown or pullback or decline or correction, inherent in it is that there's something incorrect, right? If you, if you extend yourself too far in the gym, you need to rest. If you stay in the library for 19 hours, your eyes get tired. You have to have breaks. And so, Implied in corrections or dips or drawdowns, if they're good, not bad. And so the question is, this one is a 5%, right? If we actually know, and we might have a chart here, that the, the drawdown from peak to trough so far is 5.28%. Mm-hmm. And the issue is, if you looked at this current dip, sell-off correction, in the context of all 5% plus corrections going back to the inception of the S&P in 1927, uh, there are some statistics around these drawdowns, and this is uh, a little shallower in terms of magnitude and duration than the median mean. So first of all, why 5%? If you lose 1% on a currency bet or a stock, or nobody cares, nobody's thinking about it. 3%, same thing. There's something that happens at 5%, whether it's the risk manager that comes in and says, listen, you got to you got to cut this back, or it's where people put in stop losses or where the discomfort level starts to, whether institutional or retail. Um, at the 5% level, if you looked at the following statistics, this is what there is. There have been 230 instances, 1927 to present, where the S&P has dropped 5% or more. And there is a, a lot of uh, sort of similarity in, between the magnitude and the duration of those moves. So of the 230, right, and we have all the data from the start date to the end date, how long it took uh, from peak to trough in terms of days, time elapsed till you recover and make a new high, and basically, the average drawdown of all 5% plus corrections is 11.9. And the median, which is more important, right, is 8.2. And the duration is about 27 sessions. So let's mm-hmm. put that in context. This is 8.2% as a median, and we're down only 5.2. This has also been over 11 sessions. Typically, it takes 25. So this is particularly shallow. And we have now recovered the drop in gap, which you can see on the chart there. And at this point, the odds are making a new high wouldn't happen at a minimum for two months. So you're looking at a new high within the next two months. And, and 
just let me ask you a question, Carter, because it surprises me. Actually, I shouldn't be surprised anymore. But, you know, the duration is, is such that, you know, we've, been, we've become accustomed to a one-day sell-off, two-day sell-off event. And I think the market's become so um, complacent, realizing that, hey, you know what, this can be over in three or four days. I mean, am I making am I making not enough of this, too much of this, or are we setting ourselves up for an extraordinarily large disappointment? Well, that's just it. I mean, so if you if you get back to the etymology of the word, it's it's each correction is shallower and shallower, which means it's more and more uncorrected in its totality. Yes. Another way to look at this is if you were to, and not depict in this chart, but anyone who has a chart can look at it, is the the duration of this move since we've actually gone back to a long-term moving average, whether you use the 200 or the 150-day moving average as I do, we're more than 12 months without having a sell-off dip correction decline back to the 150-day. There are only about 13, 14 instances in history where you've gone more than a year without a proper reset. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, they don't get solved by just a 5.2% sell-off. No, exactly. And we'll see what happens if and when we trade back to that downtrend, that uptrend line that you drew. You know, that's a pretty steep uptrend line, obviously going back to the fall. I mean, we'll see what happens if and when we get to it. My sense is we will. And then that's the test, right? Do we fail at that uptrend line or do we break through it? I mean, and we'll talk about it if and when it gets there. So that's the broader market. And again, it is fascinating. It continues to befuddle me. I'm not really sure the etymology of that word, but it does it to me seemingly on on an everyday basis. But First call we want to take a look at, and this is thanks for nothing, uh, Raymond James downgrades Federal Express. And I'm not trying to get on Raymond James here because, quite frankly, a lot of analysts have had this wrong. I will tell you categorically that when the stock was trading 295 or thereabouts a few months ago, I power pitched this sucker on CNBC's Fast Money, thinking that it had a real chance to trade up to 380 just on valuation. But here we are after an extraordinarily disappointing earnings release a few days ago. And now you have a lot of analysts starting um, to take another look at FedEx. Talk to me about this downgrade, and then we're going to take a look at the chart. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the thing about, as is always the case, uh, big stocks like this typically are, are loved long term. So just to put this in context, we know there's about 30 plus analysts that cover the stock. And as is often the case, there's only one sell. Remember, in fact, of all ratings on Wall Street, only 5% are sell rated. There's a reason for that, because they don't want to offend the investment banking department and defend IR. And so what they do is they put it as a hold, right? Hold is a euphemism for sell on Wall Street. Wink, wink. We don't really like it, but we can't put sell. So 24 buys, eight holds, which are sells effectively. Mm -hmm. And the price targets are all over the map. You've got big firms thinking it's worth 360, other firms saying 310. But they have the same spreadsheets. They have the same qualifications. They're all CFAs and CPAs and MBAs. And they do the same analysis, but they come up with completely different conclusions. But either way, I don't think you downgrade after the stock has just reported a a miss like this. So let's let's look at a chart here. And look at this. uh, This is a fantastic uh, fact set. Uh, look at this uh, color scheme. So uh, the yellow uh, is price action, of course. The green are the volume bars. What I've tried to annotate here is, do you see how every 13 weeks you get a spike in the volume? Those are all quarterly beats or misses. The issue is that the street somehow can't get the earnings right at all. In order to gap down or up, have such a dislocation after earnings, it means that the consensus had to be so right or so wrong. And it's been so wrong over and over. Point being, we've dropped in gap twice here. And three times out of the last four, I don't think you downgraded here. In fact, I think you're contrarian and you 
make a bet that it's so bad it's good. In fact, look at yeah, this. Yeah, I, I, listen, and I agree with that. We're going to look at another chart, but real quick, just to give you some indication, I just pulled a couple of analysts. And by the way, I could have done this probably twice as many as I did. But Susquehanna, they just remain neutral. Their price target is 280 from 307. JP Morgan, they took it off their focus list. Their price target goes to 329 from 346. UBS, $369 price target. That's lowered from 380 and Cowan. 297 from 335. The point is exactly what Carter just made. Analysts just can't get on the right side of this thing. The price target, I think, on average comes in around 315. I think CBW is spot on. They're late to this dance, and they should zig when they should zag. I think we want to take a look at transports now, CBW. Yeah, and so um, what we know in the FedEx here on the screen is that you're, you drop to that line I think you hold here. You certainly don't downgrade it, right? You, 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 if you're long, you suffer another day. And if you're contrarian, you make a bet that it's going to bounce. But, you know, transports overall, we know that the index, and there's a lot to Dow theory, but we know that the transports um, have been underperforming the market for about five months, right? They peaked uh, about five months ago. But here's the thing. They were so far ahead of the market. Mm-hmm. In fact, this comparative chart, transports beating that. So think about that. You're talking about things that go clunk in the night, rails and tra- boats and, and, and trucks and Beating the S and P, that yellow line has Amazon in it, and Facebook, and Google, and it has uh, tremendous other growth instruments. Uh, and the transports were so ahead of themselves, so ahead of the market that this correction, this four or five months of malaise, is welcomed. It 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 removes some of the excess that we've seen in the index. No question about it. And you're talking about not only FedEx and UPS, but you're also talking about the rails. And if you go back, not that we're going to look at these charts, but you go back and look at some of these railroads all topped out a couple months ago. So CBW is right. This they they in the short term, they obviously a grim death. Longer term, there's still a lot to go in terms of the outperformance that we've seen. So I think this is a really great chart that illustrates it. By the way, it goes back to, I believe, 1979 or thereabouts when Carter was just a young lad. As handsome as he is now, but a lot younger. That's Next right. thing we got to talk about is plug power CBW. Uh, and I'm glad you brought this to us. You know, I actually like this upgrade. Piper Sandler upgrade plug power. This is a bit of a hydrogen play. You can speak to it. The average price target on the street, I think, is $40.30. The range is somewhere between 13 and 78 in terms of analysts. Uh, this stock made an all-time high of about $75.49 back in February. So we've round tripped that move. We will look at a chart. Speak to me about this. I know you have some thoughts. Well, that's right. I mean, this is, this is, if you, if you think about it, that this stock was below a dollar in the last two years. So w- when you compare this to a Peloton or a zoom or any other high flyer, that's had the same sequencing, a great run up and then a great collapse. This one it, it supersedes all of them in terms of the magnitude of the run up. And obviously the collapse, the, the, um, the thing is, this is where you do upgrade a stock right. after a 75% sell-off and then this stabilizing and basing. Uh, it's a particularly good setup, I think. And uh, the charts, yeah, well, here we go. I mean, first of all, is it random? Is it a PE? Is it a price to sales level that it stopped at that purple line? Is that a peg ratio? Is that a dividend discount? No, it's charts. Charts are important. People look at them. Algorithms look at them. It stops to the penny and bounces off the purple line. Now, if you look at the second plug power chart, um, this is this more immediate setup. We are into this wedge, and we are just now poking our head uh, above the uh, downward sloping line. So you have converging lines. You've worked into the apex. I think you go with this upgrade. I'm doing it technically. They're doing it fundamentally. But I think it makes sense. 
Yeah, I do as well. I mean, you're in this little bit of a wedge. You have this, obviously, this long-term uptrend that we, believe it or not, I mean, we're still holding since the spring. Uh, That whole price action in January, February skews this thing a bit. But I got to tell you something, definitely feels as though we're going to break out to the upside on this one. You've round tripped the entire move. And I like an analyst that actually steps in at the right time instead of downgrading after the move is over. And I'm not trying to cast aspersions here. Uh, CBW, we have somebody named John Butters from Facts that does extraordinary work. He might be on the Parthenon with you. Please don't at me at Twitter. One for the road today is the most loved sectors. I want you to speak to this. The analysts are most currently optimistic on energy, communication services, and tech, healthcare. Um, a lot of things going on. I know you look at this almost on a daily, if not less than that, hourly basis. Speak to me about this. What does it say to you before we get on out of here? Well, uh, I, I think one thing about sector work, and it has to be said, is that the sectors, all of them are so concentrated. Right? Let's take communications. It's not the AT&T and Verizon that it was. And when it was, they were literally the whole sector. And now, of course, with Google and Facebook and others, you're talking about just a handful of names that represent 40, 50% weight. It's the same in energy, right? Exxon and Chevron are half the weight. We know what it is in, in tech. And so while there is a lot of work done on the street about which sector one wants to be overweight and underweight, it really gets down to just a handful of names. In each, just as Procter is 12 14% of the staple sector uh, versus Campbell's Soup or Schmucker's Jelly, yes? So anyway, I, 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 I like uh, consumer discretion. Uh, staples, not so much. I think tech is just the long-term winner. But listen, one of my favorite areas is semis. Uh, I continue to like that a lot. The yeah, semis are unbelievable, right? Led by a couple names in particular, AMD and NVIDIA. Obviously, there's some other names as well. You know what else I like a lot? I like you. And there's a chance that if I can read our thank yous, I can get out by 11 a.m. I want to thank our special guest today, the great Carter Braxtonworth, for joining us. I also want to thank our sponsors. Today's sponsor of sponsors of 1046, brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. And a quick shout out. Uh, to Mr. Michael Cavino, his birthday today. I won't give you the number. He is at Open Exchange. Dan Nathan will be watching this on replay. CBW, you're a stud. Thank you. And thanks, folks, for joining us. Cheers.